Can't sleep? Don't want to sleep? Afraid to sleep? Are the windows closed? Are your doors locked? Did you check your closet? And under your bed? Maybe you should keep a light on in the hallway, just in case. Now settle in. Make yourself comfortable. Lay back. Close your eyes. And let me tell you a story. Throughout the ages, stories of magic genies and cursed monkey paws have spurred the imagination. The closest we can get in real life is winning the lottery and fantasizing about what you might buy if gaining such a windfall. But what if you had the chance to make an actual magical wish? Anything your heart desired. There are plenty of stories about how such an opportunity can go wrong. You get untold riches, but the IRS takes it all away. A long life is spent in prison. Which makes one wonder, is there truly such a thing as? The Perfect Wish The boat pitched and yawed. I wasn't quite sure what the difference between a pitch and a yaw was. I figured I'd look it up when I got back to dry land. If I got back. This was my first time on a boat larger than those swans you pedal around a lake at the amusement park. I did know the difference between a boat and a ship, though. My uncle taught me, and I never forgot. You can put a boat on a ship. For example, cruise ships have lifeboats aboard. Not sure where yachts fit in there. Guess it depends on how big they are. Well, none of that had anything to do with why I was on a boat. More specifically, a fishing boat, pitching and yawing. So far out from shore that I could no longer see land. I knew where the land was. I had GPS. And they had plenty of fuel and supplies on board to last several days. But as far as what I could see goes, I might as well have been in the middle of the Atlantic. What, you may ask, was I doing in this apparently reckless situation? The answer to that question lay at the end of a bar in a sleepy fishing village on the coast of North Carolina. I don't remember the name of the bar. I'm not even sure it had one. It was one of those places that was populated by men who smelled of salt, sweat, and fish. The woman behind the bar smoked a cigar, letting its ashes drop into the flat beer and cheap whiskey she served. I went there to track down a story about a fisherman who went out one day having spent his last dime on fuel for his rundown trawler with a bucket of discarded fish heads for bait and came back with a chest of gold and precious gems he supposedly hooked when he cast his line out. There were a lot of obvious holes in the story, not the least of which was how he could pull up several hundred pounds of dead weight with a fishing pole. When I walked into the bar, it was completely quiet. I didn't know if it was always like that or if my presence caused the patrons to clam up. My smile was met by closed-mouth grimaces and dirty looks from the grisly customers. Good afternoon, I said in as cheerful a voice as the dingy confines of the dark dive bar would allow. The challenging stare seemed to sear the back of my eyeballs. Then, all at once, as if coordinated by a silent cue, everyone lost interest in my entrance and returned their gazes to the bottom of their glasses. I approached the bar and sat atop an empty stool next to a man who looked like he was at least a hundred years old. A coarse white stubble covered his wrinkled skin and looked like it could scrub the barnacles off the hull of a boat or a ship. He was drinking what looked like beer, but smelled like seawater. The bartender cast me an inquisitive glare. Soda water, please, I said. Don't got none, she replied. Plain water, then. 
Don't got none of that either. Okay, I'll have what he's having, I said, nodding toward the grizzled old man next to me. The bartender grabbed an abandoned mug off the far end of the bar that still had half an inch of stale beer in it and topped it off from an anonymous tap. The foam had a green tint to it. I smiled and placed a $20 bill on the bar. The woman snatched it and tucked it into a pocket in her apron. Keep the change, I said, assuming that was her plan all along. I sniffed at the beer and pretended to take a sip. Some of the foam slipped into my mouth and left a bitter, stringent taste on my tongue and numbed my lips. The bartender glared at me disapprovingly. So I steeled myself and took a swallow of the strange brew. It made my eyes water, and I struggled to keep it down as my stomach protested the toxic ale. That's good stuff, I managed to say, wondering if the high-proof belly wash was responsible for the apparent longevity of the customers in the bar. Say, I was wondering if anyone here knew Billy Haddish. You know, the guy who pulled up that treasure chest a while back? The bartender directed her cataract-fogged gaze at a booth in one corner of the bar, then walked away to wipe out a filthy glass with an even dirtier rag. I spun around and saw a man who looked like a character from an old Popeye cartoon sitting in the shadows, nursing a cup of coffee. I instantly wished I had ordered that instead of the swill that was now causing a disturbance in my gut. I left my mug behind and navigated the maze of tables and suspicious looks to approach him. Mind if I join you? I asked. It'd still be a free country, he replied, taking another sip of Joe. I slid into the opposite side of the booth. The stranger stared at me with what I could now see was one good eye and one cheap glass one that blindly stared up at the ceiling. I understand you knew Billy Haddish, I said, cutting right to the chase. Aye, he said, unironically. So what's the story, I asked. Did he really just happen upon a sunken treasure, or is there more to it? You a newspaper man? he asked in return. I freelance for various internet periodicals. He looked at me quizzically. Yes, I'm a newspaper man, in a manner of speaking, I replied. He nodded. But you're not just after a story, are you? I smiled, wondering if it was his real eye or the prosthetic one that could see past my flimsy pretense. You're not the first landlubber coming through here looking to repeat poor Billy's misfortune. Misfortune? I asked. Aye, you only know the first part of the story. Once he cashed in his booty, bought himself a nice car or a fancy house out on the point in one of them luxury yachts, he met up with his doom. What happened? Did he have an accident? Worse than that, he met a woman. The man smiled, revealing a picket fence of teeth. Oh, he seemed happy for a while, but it weren't long before he became a mere shell of his former self. She seemed to have sucked all the life out of him. And one day, he got on that fancy boat of his and sailed out into the biggest storm we've seen in these parts in twenty years. I found the boat washed up along the Jersey coast, but no sign of Billy. If he had any sense, he would have walked away from it all and got himself a dinghy and went back to fishing. But that's how wishes go. Wishes? I asked. The man laughed a coarse wet guffaw that showed off the full state of his dental health. I know you're too smart to believe Billy pulled up that treasure with a fishing line that would have snapped if he'd hooked a decent-sized tuna. So where did it come from? Tell me, he said, leaning forward, expelling his coffee-scented halitosis into my face. Do you believe in magic? Magic? Aye, not like wizards and witches and that sort. I'm talking about the magic of the sea. 
We puny humans live most of our lives on dry land, and those of us who venture out on the water only see what's on the surface. We think we know what lies beneath, but we have no idea. Are you talking about sea monsters? He chuckled. <laughs> That'd be part of it. Serpents, mermaids, strange seas within seas, phantom ships, and creatures of pure magic who occasionally cross paths with us mere mortals. Really? And that's what Billy did? Aye. What kind of magic creature? A shark. A shark? People catch sharks all the time. A talking shark. A talking shark. Aye. The man took another swig from his coffee. And the shark told him where he could find the treasure. No, it was simpler than that. The shark offered Billy a wish if he would let him go. A wish? Aye. And he wished for treasure. Aye. And the talking shark gave it to him. Aye. But you know how these magic creatures be. You can't trust them. They always want to throw some sort of wrinkle into the deal. Like the monkey's paw, I suggested. No, like a magic talking shark. Haven't you been paying attention? The man asked. The monkey's paw is a short story about a couple who... Never mind, I replied, cutting myself off from the futile effort to explain my literary reference to the old seaman. So the shark granted Billy his wish, but committed him to a path of ruin? Doom, the man corrected. Right. And do you happen to know where he caught this shark? I asked. Aye, I know exactly where it be. And that is how I came to be at these specific GPS coordinates in a rented fishing boat. The distant storm that was tossing me around was getting closer, darkening the sky, sending icy drops of rain at me with the promise of more to come. I had four lines out and had been dumping chopped up bloody bits of fish into the sea to chum the water for the last several hours. So far I'd caught one small barracuda and zero magic sharks. It was enough for a sane man to consider maybe he'd been punked, pack things up and head for shore in a nice warm hotel room. But I was well past sane. My quest was much more than research for a featured story on some website that maybe a few thousand people would see and even fewer would stop to read. I had hoped the chest that Billy had to recover was part of a larger hoard, and that even if I didn't score a big immediate financial windfall, I could turn the search into a book or a TV show. However, once I heard the claim from the man in that seaside bar about the magic shark, something inside me snapped. For some reason, I actually believed him. As absurd as the story was, I was completely convinced that Haddish had hooked a talking shark, who had granted him a wish. What was even more crazy was that I had persuaded myself I could repeat his feat. But that wasn't the peak of my insanity. Oh no, I was absolutely sure that I could make a wish that had no possibility of a downside. I had become obsessed with being the first person in the history of genies and magic lamps, mummified monkey hands, leprechauns, and other magical creatures, talking sharks included, that could craft a request that would foil their innate compulsion to thwart the desires of the poor saps who were unfortunate enough to make deals with them. That is, if I survived my immediate circumstances. I was beginning to wonder if the boat I was on could stay afloat in the increasingly rough seas. With common sense overriding my irrational yearning to match wits with a magic shark, I decided to reel in my lines, batten down the hatches, and head for shore. But as I turned the crank on the last rod, something took the bait. The reel clacked wildly as the line raced out. 
I briefly considered cutting it and my losses, but was suddenly overcome with a desperate fear that if I did, I would lose my one and only opportunity to fulfill my quest. So, once the reel slowed down, I gained control and slowly began cranking in the line, alternating between pulling back the pole until it was near its breaking point and quickly winding up the slack. My battle with the fish on the other end lasted for what seemed like hours, while the storm grew in intensity, threatening to toss me from the deck into the roiling waves several times. Finally, beneath the froth, in a flash of lightning, I saw something. It was close. I cranked the reel as hard as I could with arms that felt like rubber. Then a fin broke the surface. It was definitely a shark. Not an extremely large one, perhaps five feet long, snout to tail. It seemed to have given up and was no longer fighting. But then I noticed that even though it wasn't attempting to swim away, it was moving its head from side to side, trying to saw through the steel leader with the serrated edges of its teeth. I grabbed for the large net hanging off the railing and gave up control of the rod to scoop my quarry into the nylon web. Immediately, the shark began thrashing furiously, but it only swam deeper into the net. With both hands, I grabbed the pole and heaved with all my might to land the aquatic predator onto the deck of the boat. As I did so, I fell backward, and the shark landed on top of me, its jaws inches from my face. The hook fell from its mouth as it opened wide, showing me its endless rows of deadly teeth. I scrambled to get out from underneath the beast as I searched the boat for a length of rope. I found some hanging by the cabin door and quickly fashioned a loop that I slipped over the shark's tail. I tied the other end off to the railing and took a moment to catch my breath. Then I laughed. I laughed as I realized how foolish I was for thinking not only that there was a magic shark somewhere in the great expanse of the Atlantic Ocean and I could best it with the perfect wish, but that this modest-looking specimen was that shark. I sat down as the rain soaked me to the bone and laughed at the absurd lengths my folly had taken me. What's so funny? the shark asked. My insane mirth ceased as I looked face to face at the shark. Can you get this net off me? it asked. I promise I'm not going anywhere, he said, wagging his ensnared tail. You can talk, I said, stating the obvious. I could speak much better without this thing on my face. I cautiously rose to my feet and grabbed the end of the pole to which the net was attached, keeping my distance as I maneuvered it from under the shark's belly and over its head. Thank you, the shark said, eyeing me as I backed away. Don't worry, I'm not going to try to eat you. You caught me fair and square. You can talk, I said again, unable to advance my comprehension of the situation any further. Yes, that comes with the magical creature thing, he said. Are you familiar with the rules, or do I need to explain them to you? Rules? Yes, I grant you one wish to be fulfilled upon my release back into the water. I stared at the shark, whose eyes were surprisingly expressive. Please do be quick about it. I can't last forever like this. Just give me a minute, I said. I had prepared myself for this moment, but being confronted by the reality of the situation emptied my mind of all my carefully crafted plans. It's not that complicated, the shark assured me. You make a wish, and once you let me go, it comes true. Yeah, tell that to Billy Haddish. Somehow, the shark smiled. Did he not get the treasure he wished for? Yeah, but it made him so unhappy he wound up lost at sea. It was his decision to take that path. Is that what you wish for? Treasure? Maybe two chests? 
Oh, no, I said. I'm just asking questions. I can ask questions, can't I? Is there anything in the rules about that? Actually, I must answer any questions asked of me. Honestly? He smiled again. Well, I can't lie to you, but you might not get the answers you want. I nodded. I never expected it to be easy, but being able to ask questions opened up a realm of possibilities. So, what's it going to be? Riches? A long life? The love of a beautiful woman? The love of several beautiful women? I shook my head. No, those are all fraught with foreseeable complications. Billy Haddish demonstrated that money can't buy you happiness, and a long life is a curse if you don't have good health. So, a beautiful woman, then? No, none of those. You could wish for a long life with perfect health. Which does me no good if I'm serving a life sentence in prison. Ah, uh, I can see you've thought this through. I have. And have you found it? Found what? The perfect wish. The one request that will give you what you want while avoiding any downside. Is such a wish possible? I doubt it, the shark replied. Which means it is possible, but you don't think anyone is smart enough to think of it. That's a valid interpretation. I can see why you don't mind people asking questions. I don't make the rules. I just follow them to the best of my advantage. I considered his reply. Why is it to your advantage to poison the way you grant wishes? I asked. Ooh, I like the way you put that. Poisoned wishes. Mind if I use that? You didn't answer my question. I can't help it. It's my nature. There must be balance. If one hand gives, the other must take away. And there's always a way to turn a person's wish against them. Isn't that true of all things? So the only way to win is to not play the game. Maybe the perfect wish is no wish at all, I suggested. The shark grinned. The storm had abated while we were talking. It was still raining, but the boat wasn't being tossed about as much, and the sky seemed to lighten up. Is that your wish, then? No wish at all? He asked. No, I said. So you think you know it? You think you have the perfect wish, one that I cannot corrupt to your doom. Doom. The stranger in the bar had used that word to describe poor Billy Haddish's fate. I guess we'll find out, I said. Lay it on me, whatever you desire, however many conditions you wish to impose. Give it your best shot. It was my turn to smile. No, I'm not going to try to outguess the ways you can pervert my wish. I know I'm not smart enough to do that. Ah, so you are wise. The question is, can wisdom serve you well enough to avoid my snares? It may not be wisdom so much as prudence, I countered. The cautious course of action would be to let me go as you proposed earlier, without asking a boon of me, the shark said. I think there's another way, I replied. Do tell. I concede I'm not smart enough to formulate a wish that is immune to your sabotage. Oh, please, enough with the prelude. What is your wish? I'm literally dying to know, the shark said as his gills worked to keep him alive in the open air. All right. I wish, I started. Yes. To be the smartest person, scratch that, the smartest being in the world. That's it? That's it. I figure with brains I can get wealth and health and find a way to charm any woman I desire as well as get myself out of any situations I may find myself in as a consequence of this wish. Interesting. The shark regarded me curiously, then laughed. Well, now all you have to do is let me go, and you'll be the smartest being in the world. 
I rose to my feet and untied the rope tethering the magical creature to the boat, then loosed the knot around its tail. It lay on the deck, motionless. For a moment, I was afraid I had taken too long, and it had succumbed to being out of the water for such an extended period. A little help, he said weakly. What do you want me to do? I asked. Just lift me over the railing. I'm not very adroit out of the water. Don't worry, I promise. You'll be perfectly safe. I really only act like a shark when I'm in the water. Out of it, I'm just a pussycat. Figuratively, of course. I assessed the situation. I didn't completely trust him. He was a shark, after all. But the rules were that I wouldn't get my wish until I'd set him free. I reached down, wrapped my arm around his belly, careful to keep his dorsal fin above my shoulder so there was no part of me in range of those powerful jaws and razor-sharp teeth. He was heavy, but I managed to lift him up, carry him to the railing, and heave his bulk over the side. He hit the water with a splash. With a couple swipes of his tail, he righted himself and disappeared into the depths. As he did so, my mind opened up. Everything became so clear and obvious to me. What I needed to do next. How I could assure that my wish would never be turned against me. I went into full MacGyver mode and searched the equipment compartments for what resources I had on hand. A plan came together in my mind, and I rapidly assembled the available gear into a device designed to launch a net out into the water. It had weights attached and a line connected to a motorized winch. Next, I went to the helm and started up the engines. I consulted the instruments I had on board that indicated things like wind speed, water temperature, and depth, then charted a course and locked in the autopilot. I returned to the deck, armed my device, and fired it out over the water. The net spread out, and the weights dragged it below the surface, pulling the rope out behind it. If my calculations were right, based on the tendencies of the average gray reef shark, the prevailing currents, and the trail of chum I had laid out earlier, and I was completely confident that they were, the shark would be right where I cast my net. I waited, and saw the line shoot out as the shark thrashed against the net. I turned on the winch, and it started winding up the rope. A few minutes later, the net was next to the boat, and the shark was twisted up inside. Once it was clear of the waterline, I turned the winch off and smiled down at it. Ah, so this is your plan. Use your intellect to keep catching me and making new wishes. You know, you could just wish for infinite wishes. There's no rule against it. No, I said. You see, I'm now smart enough to know what the perfect wish is. The one that you can't interfere with. The wish which is impossible for you to turn against me. A challenge? I like it. So tell me, now that you're smarter than me, what is the perfect wish? I wish that you lose all of your magic and ability to grant and corrupt wishes. What? You can't do that. I pulled out my fishing knife and cut through the net, releasing the shark back into the water. No, he shouted just before hitting the water and reverting to being just another fish in the sea. The sun broke through the clouds. It had been hard to tell throughout the entire ordeal with the dark storm clouds overhead, but it was still late afternoon. I returned to the helm and steered toward land. What to do? Nothing was beyond my reach. My mind was filled with all the knowledge of the world and the means to apply it to my advantage. Power was essential. Maybe I would run for president, after I perfected a life-extending therapy. I had a few notions about some groundbreaking communications technology that would truly democratize the internet. But first, money. After all, mansions, luxury cars, and beautiful women didn't come cheap. 
Thank you for listening to The Perfect Wish, written especially for the Bedtime Stories for Insomniac's Fiction Podcast by Rich Hosek. Please remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast app, rate us on Apple, Spotify, and Audible, and share these stories with anyone who enjoys audiobooks. By the way, my latest novel, Afterlife, A Rainy Day Investigation, is available now on Amazon and Audible. You can listen to the first book in this paranormal mystery series, Near Death, on this very podcast for free. Stop by BedtimeStories.studio and sign up for our email list to be notified of new episodes and exclusive offers, and get a free bookmark. You can visit richhosick.com to learn more about the hosts of Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs. Thanks again, and all the very best.